Watching a movie or TV show is nothing without a bag of your favorite treats. Take your treats to the next level with the new M&M's Hazelnut Spread Chocolate Candies. They're a delicious combo of hazelnut spread and milk chocolate in every bite-sized piece, delivering a side of indulgence that's all its own. I have to say, I love these M&M's. I will go crazy for the hazelnut spread. I first had them in the airport in Chicago, and it makes me want to go back to the airport in Chicago just to relive my first moment having these M&M's. They are so delicious. Luckily, you don't have to only go there. You can find them at your local candy depot. Go hazelnutty and try the new M&M's hazelnut spread chocolate candies today. Hello and welcome to Jam Session. I'm Amanda Dobbins. I'm Juliette Littman. Yes, Juliette, she's back. Can we get air horns, Kai? Will you put air horns in right now? Yacht air horns, celebrity yacht air horns. <laughs> Juliette, we missed Wonderful. you. Thank you so much. I missed you too. I was on a vacation. I was on medical leave and I spent a lot of time in Riverside Park looking at the Hudson River where I saw a lot of yachts go by, and I was shocked. I didn't know they came over here. But did, every time I thought of you in Jam Session, Amanda. Did you recognize any? Are there any new no. like Hudson River yachts that we need to be aware of? All of the good ones are in uh, the Mediterranean still. But nonetheless, I was thrilled to see them. Thrilled. That's great. That's exciting. Maybe, maybe in the fall, you could, we can watch this space. We are yeah, going to talk about a very important yacht moment later in the podcast. And we're going to do like a kind of a catch all of things that you and I really wanted to discuss and like did discuss a bit over text, but we need to bring them to the jam session community. But there are a lot of pressing items that we need to get to before that, including some things that I just straight up missed on vacation. Like I was, I was in Hawaii and it was lovely and I did not really have my phone. And so I only learned Monday afternoon, I would say 3.30 PST, that Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth broke up. They're over. They're over. But like I texted- It's been like 10 days. I know. I texted you immediately and you wrote back, lol, that happened 10 days ago. Which, in my defense, sign of a great vacation. Truly. Truly. In Hawaii, right? Yes. In Hawaii. But can we start there? Just because I have- Absolutely. Well, it just seems like a lot happened while I was gone and it escalated very quickly. It was a Saturday night news dump. Okay. So there's that, first of all. It was the first end of your vacation. Okay. And a Saturday night news dump to me means this has happened. At that point, it was very clear they'd been broken up for a little while and it wasn't like breaking news because that's like really trying to bury it. Please ask as few questions as possible. Hopefully by Monday, like Trump will have done something new and we can all move on. Right. Uh, That has not been the case. So it started, it started out amicably, allegedly. They're saying like with great respect, we move on. Please respect our privacy at this time. And then the mudslinging came pretty quickly. Camp Miley blamed Liam for using drugs. Camp Liam blamed Miley for her social life and like partying too much. There was like one thing that was like she turned she turned it up too much for the cameras, which like is probably true. I I, I actually haven't heard anything in the first wave, like the first like five to six days of their breakup that like didn't seem unbelievable to me. Things have taken a turn since. But then things really heated up about four days ago because Miley Cyrus was spotted um, like making out on a yacht in the Mediterranean with Caitlin Carter, the ex of Brody Jenner. 
I mean, that's a real wild card. I didn't see that one coming. I feel like everything you said up to Caitlin Carter was like a shame, but not surprising. They got married pretty, they didn't get married pretty quickly. They were engaged forever and then got married secretly over Christmas. Miley has always been um, flighty is maybe the word that I would use for it. It doesn't seem like she really focuses on anything for too long, possibly including yeah. marriages. So like, I guess I'm, I am not surprised, but suddenly being on a yacht with that random girl who was on the New Hills for like half a season, who it turns out was never legally married to Brody Jenner also. Huge mistake. Huge mistake, Caitlin. <laughs> Community property in California. I mean, do your research. I really didn't see that coming for Miley Cyrus. I didn't either, though. And then they've been spotted again in the most recent story from page six, which I've just been reading breathlessly this summer, um, says that they were, they have someone, an unnamed source who spotted them at Soho House in West Hollywood. Huge summer for Soho House, just huge. And for this source said, Miley and Caitlin, they were, quote, basically having sex. In the, and then said they were obsessed with each other. They couldn't keep their hands off each other. They were kissing and making out everywhere in the bathroom at the bar in the middle of the floor. They were basically having sex. There's no question they were together. I just have a lot of questions about this. And I don't, I don't doubt that they were there together and maybe they were very touchy and like maybe they're dating I, or maybe they're just hooking up. Who knows? We, and yeah, also, can we, we talk to, about that? We, can, don't, we don't need to label it. Like it can be whatever. This is my but, thing. It's like clearly they've just been hooking up for a week. Like why does everyone, why... Can media coverage in 2019 not embrace the idea of a hookup? They're just hooking up. It happens. I believe there were some hashtag hot girl summer uh, happening on many of their photos, which are like on Instagram, which I had to look up. We'll come back to that later. Okay. Um, but yeah, like they're they're probably just like hooking up both on like a like a, a post breakup bender together, like living life. Like good for them. I take issue with this source. I don't believe this because so how so much Hollywood is like not that like popping like it's like a, you know like you could like definitely take your kids there for brunch on Sunday it's not like a wild club it's not like they're like in the club in Vegas like they're at like a pretty like regular dinner venue that just like happens to be having a moment in the tabloid so I just I don't believe this but I support them I mean whatever they're both young attractive women let me have just, fun uh, let me just also say this store sounds like a major prude I'm sure that totally. they were making out at Soho House it's fine I mean I don't make out in public that often but like people do it's not <laughs> the jumping from making out to basically having sex to them definitely being an item it's like calm down Calm down. Yeah, seriously. They are two showy people who are used to having their photographs taken and used to public displays of everything, and they were making out a lot. That's fine. They were making out. Good for them. It's I, great. I agree mostly. I. It still seems like a weird choice for Miley. I wouldn't say based on the, like, four and a half episodes of The Hills New Beginnings that I watched that I trust Caitlin Carter as, like, a person particularly— yeah. Though I didn't trust Brody Jenner either. I mean, I, the real red flag for me is that she was ever in a non-legal marriage with Brody Jenner. I would say Brody Jenner is like one of the worst people. Like I hate mm-hmm. him. He comes off so badly on the hills. Despicable. Like I, it was basically unwatchable. I had to. I couldn't deal with him because he was so terrible. Yeah. So and really, really bad. So she stuck in it long enough to get not money, but I guess some no. sort of fame. And the TV. I, I mean, I guess also maybe like Miley Cyrus a decency because now she's definitely a lot more famous than she was yeah. being on with Brody Jenner. I guess definitely. 
I guess good for her. I don't really know. The other thing that's interesting is that Miley Cyrus is promoting an album in the midst of all this. Right. So when you were saying that she, like Liam, one of Liam's so-called complaints was that she was too photo ready, I was like, well, she's promoting an album. How else do you do it right now? Right. So, yeah, no, she like she has to be she has to be turning up for the camera. She needs people to care about her. Yeah. So that will be an interesting rest of the album rollout, I guess. Yeah, because presumably she'll do some interviews. Like, even if she doesn't do, like, print, like, she usually does, like, a BBC radio type of thing or something like that. Something in Australia, perhaps. Yeah, I guess. So Liam, meanwhile, has been in Australia with his brother, Chris Hemsworth, and they were photographed at Byron Bay. And it was... Which I just... Every time I see the see photos of Hemsworth and Byron Bay, I'm just like, God, I, I don't really want to go to Australia, but Byron Bay looks awesome. It does really look beautiful. Did you read that Vanity Fair piece about like the Byron Bay mommy influencers? No. I think, oh my God, tell me about it. I think it, I think it was Byron Bay. Oh my God, if you're listening in Australia and it's the wrong beach community mommy influencers that I'm citing, I'm very sorry. I, but it was about... It was a good piece. It was basically Vanity Fair trying to explain like rich mommy ins- influencers through this specific community of. It is Byron Bay. You're correct. I'm looking Aus- at it right of now. Australian mommies. The piece was by Karina Chicano, and I thought it was very smart because she understood like how Instagram works. I don't think that anything about influencers will be particularly new to you in this in this article, but it does seem like. It was like Instagram Real Housewives of Australia, in a way. Oh, my God. Fantastic. I'm yeah. in. Thank you, Amanda. You're so welcome. I recommend that piece to everyone else. And it did make me... I mean, it doesn't make me want to live in Byron Bay, but it definitely made me want to consume more content about Byron Bay. Apparently, it is like a place where people just walk around barefoot. We've talked about it a few times on this yes. podcast. Yes. And there, there is an Australian... A kind Australian listener did let us know that that's what happens in Byron Bay. So I, I hope I got the rest of Australia right for that listener. I feel like the Miley Liam story is just not over at all. No, definitely not. And by that, do you mean that the coverage isn't over or like, will they get back together? Oh, that's a great question. It does not seem like they'll get back together at this point, right? I mean, they've they've broken up and gotten back together several times. And I think once you bring a legal marriage and then uh, cheating with a, a Jenner ex into the picture, yeah. you can't really come back from that in a relationship though. Yeah. You know, that those two exactly. They have been unorthodox from the start. I, it does feel like the coverage will continue, especially since Miley's going to be promoting stuff. And it seems like it might continue to be messy, which I, I would, I wish them both well and and not in the negative way that we usually say when we want to stop talking about people. So I hope it doesn't agree with you. I hope it doesn't get like too, too out of control. I'm sad that they went through the trauma of like losing their house and everything. And now they're like not even together anymore. Like I, I was, I, I really liked her story from Vanity Fair that Zach wrote, right? Yes. Zach wrote it. Yes. That my, that, my husband did interview her for that. Yes. Where she talked about how like going through their house, like, re- like going through losing their house really was like a touchstone moment in their relationship. Like obviously a, a really hard one, but like sometimes that really like forges you together closer. And I'm, I'm sad that's not the case. Yeah. It definitely seemed like they got married because they went through that together and they were like, this is very yeah. hard and this has brought us together. And it's one of those things where they, they had technically more than passed my time limit for being together before you get married. But in the same way, somehow felt like an impulse decision of like, oh, sure. we've done this. We've been through something hard. We can 
were ready. And also kind of searching for, you know, you lose a home, you lose, has, which has great symbolic significance, and you lose, like, a sense of place. And so you can see how a marriage would substitute for something, like, solid and reliable. And that's what you're longing for in that moment. And then it turns out that it's different you're than not you ready. might expect. Yeah. Or maybe you were never ready. I mean, if they weren't ready, then I, I don't know that they were ever going to be ready. This also seems like totally a case of we want different things. Like, I, like if you're criticizing each other's lifestyles, like down to the partying and drugs and, situ- and stuff, like there's a way in which like you're, you together, like we're partying together every night. Like some couples, that's a recipe for success. Like, and, and then, uh, but then if one of you is just not on board, can't work out. I'm sad. I don't know. I'm like right. talking myself into sadness over this. No, I, I think I was thinking a little bit about this thing that we always talk about, about how celebrity relationships are really different from real life relationships. And especially yeah. two people like Miley and Liam, or, you know, we always talk about A-Rod and J-Lo. We, we talked a lot about that while you were gone. Maybe I'll update you on it. But it was J-Lo's and A-Rod's birthday and they've really celebrated. But they're in different places. They are always traveling for different commitments. Like this idea of like building a life together looks very different for people like Liam and Miley than it does for you and me. And so you maybe don't test out the basic compatibility stuff that I am sorry to say is like part of a marriage of learning, you know, how you... Why are you sorry to say it? That's beautiful and true. I guess. I mean, it's true, but it is also, it's it's not the romantic, sexy part of marriage. It's like the the work of a marriage, to quote Ben Affleck. Um, He was right. He was not the time to say it, but sometimes it is also, you know, you have to, there's a practical side to it as well. And it seems like they didn't really consider that. I don't know about the, the marriage laws in Tennessee, but I hope they have a good state to to do their divorce. Good luck to them both. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's move on. Another, Another breakup. breakup. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> this one I actually am legit shocked by, though like I totally shouldn't be. And that is Katie Holmes and Jamie Foxx. They are done after six years. And he was recently spotted leaving a club with a woman younger than his daughter some singer who's 21 years old. Do what you want, Jamie Foxx. That's what Katie Holmes was heard telling her friend. Allegedly, they broke up months ago. Like, I guess the last time they were seen together and the first time they were ever on a red carpet together was at the Met Gala in May. And after that, they broke up. I have a lot of questions. I think we should start by saying I did notice a lot of people reacting to this news uh, with surprise that they were ever together. And it was in this calendar year, I believe, that we analyzed those paparazzi photos that we thought were staged and were basically their relationship unveiling, right? Yeah. That's really recent. Not only was it in this calendar year, it was the springtime. (laughs) Really? Yes. So uh, what's going on here? Like, what is this strategy situation? Because we definitely spent a long time talking about how those photos looked really posed and, like, they were making a conscious effort to to announce that they were a couple. And then they went on the red carpet together at the Med Gala, which is not, I guess, that much later. No. Together for six years, you announce for, like, in two months later, you're done. It's, kind, it's like, weird Miley and Liam timing, honestly. Like, what's going on here? Just to be clear, the pictures of them in their ridiculous sweats that we, like, breathless, that we were breathlessly discussing mm-hmm. is from April 16th. Okay. And the Met Gala is the first Monday in May, as we know. So yeah. very close together. Yes. Um, I honestly don't know what's going on here. What, like, what is your best guess? I, it, I have no idea. It makes no sense to me and seems so mismanaged that I, 
honestly maybe do believe their relationship. <laughs> like, the, now, it's not that I never, like, disbelieved their relationship totally, but this was one of those things where they were kind of photographed, like, entering buildings at different times, and you knew if you really, really paid close attention to these things that they were probably dating for, what, like, five years? The page six yeah. piece that you sent me said 2013. But, yeah. but they were never public about it, and so you always were kind of like, huh, I wonder what's going on there. And whenever there's that much secrecy and machinations going on, I tend to be cynical. And then there's something about the fact that they finally decided to go public and it blew up in their faces so quickly that suggests to me that maybe it actually was like a fairly re- fairly real relationship and they decided to commit and do it and then it didn't fit for them and then they like bailed. Somewhere along the line, I started believing in them. I can't pinpoint the date or the time or the when and the why, but so much has been like inexplicable and like hard to game out that I I've really started believing in it. Also, mm-hmm. I just, she's so weird. I, I don't know. Like I just, I think they're both weird. They both have like such interesting careers and I, I just can't like put my finger on it that I definitely think they were real. And now I think this breakup is real. And I don't know, like I'm totally floored. I'm shocked that they broke up. Thought they were like going to make it work. Flip side. This quote from page six. But a spy at La Esquina overheard the actress, who is having dinner with girlfriends at the Kenmore Street restaurant, tell a pal, what Jamie does is his business. We haven't been together for months. This is fake and a plant. I'm 100% certain that this is from somewhat because, like, the details and the way that the quote is structured is very clearly written by someone and given to page six in order to explain away some part of this. It's just, it, it feels so fake. So... I don't it's know the what, kind of thing Joey Potter would say. Yeah, I don't know what to make. What of Dawson that. does is his business. <laughs> so, I mean, again, I think whoever was in charge of managing the publicity aspect of this hopefully no longer has a job because it doesn't really make any sense. Also, is is La Esquina cool? Uh, it was like twenty years ago. Maybe it's one of those things where it was cool twenty years ago, and now it's cool again. I just think it's weird that the restaurant is so clearly named. Right. I mean, that to me is a hint that it is not, it's not real because they're trying to give the specificity that would suggest that it's real, but it feels like some real spy school, like 101 stuff. I'm going real relationship, poorly managed breakup. Okay. I, the only other explanation here to try the other side is that they didn't get enough attention being together. And so mm-hmm. then they decided to break up to get more attention. Are they promoting anything, either of them? Not that I know of, because none of the press coverage has been like Katie Holmes, who, you know, the Daily Mail is usually like the star of blah, blah, blah. That's true. So I don't think so. But I mean, J- Jamie Foxx always got something coming. That's true. He works a lot. I'm mystified. I am too. I really don't get it. And I'm kind of sad. It was one of my favorite celebrity oddities, this couple. Maybe we'll continue to be an oddity. Like, if it is being managed, then maybe they'll get back together to continue the, you know, maybe they'll reunite at La Esquina. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Okay. All right. Next topic. Let's talk about Magic Johnson. Is that okay? I think that's great. I totally missed this. Again, this is one of the things I didn't see, but uh, I, you updated me, and this is delightful. So Magic Johnson just decided to make a bunch of top 60 lists and post because he turned 60 oh okay well happy birthday magic johnson 
And his Instagram is in general fantastic because it's like so earnest and straightforward. It's like, it's just like total dad Instagram, but it's Magic Johnson. So he's usually doing something ridiculous. Like for example, he's been on vacation on his yacht since, I don't know, uh, like the first of the month essentially. So, and he probably will be for the rest of the month. Like he's truly like an August guy that he's like off on the high seas for the whole month. And somehow he found a way to prepare like several top 60 lists that are just so, so ridiculous. And I, I have so many questions. I mean, the, the topics run from top 60 places to travel, mm-hmm. top 60 athletes turned entrepreneurs, Great. top 60 films, top 60 TV shows, top 60 male R&B artist, top 60 female R&B artist. So that's a total of 120. I can't believe he can name that many. Magic's top 60 hip hop artists, Magic's top 60 music groups, 60 people who've helped me in business and basketball. Like this is ridiculous. And they're like typed up in a way that, and then screenshotted. And like, I just would love to know who typed these for him. That's my, that's my very first question. They're also alphabetized, which is really, so he's not, except for like the first one, the first few. Oh, I see. So that, well, the top 60 films, is that the first one? It seems to be because he's explaining in honor of my 60th birthday tomorrow, I put together a few lists of top favorites. So it's alphabetized except for The Godfather being at number one. (laughs) You know what? I kind of respect it, actually. And then the born identity is weirdly in the middle at number 30. Oh, is he is he alphabetizing by I there? I guess so, because it goes Iron Man and then the born. No, who knows? Um, It's very kind of you to try to explain it. The thing is, here are my main questions. Okay. Who typed these up? Did he pay that person? How did he come up with these lists? Did did he see them before they went live? Did he have to separate male and female? How would he decide if a hip-hop artist should be on both the hip-hop artist list and also the group list? Like, there's just so much here. It's unbelievable. I I can't get over it. So a couple questions. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, he came up... I think he made the list himself. I'm imagining him making them on a phone. Okay. Okay. And then kind of maybe he gets to like 28, right, on each of the lists or whatever. And then he gives them to someone who has to type them up and help him with suggestions to fill it out to 60. Okay. That makes sense. I don't know so who it's like- that- I don't know who that person is. He does the is. first pass and then it's crowdsourced. Right. Yeah. He's on He's on his phone being like, here's what I'm going to do. Having some like fun yacht time making some lists. I was, you can't see me, but I was just miming with my fingers, you know, like typing on the phone a lot. Yacht time. Yeah. Yacht time. And then, and then passes it off and someone is in charge of alphabetizing and filling it out. I Incredible. I don't know who, I hope the person was paid. I have to figure out that he, I have to assume that he just wanted to do, that he was making one, like one artist list, whether it was R&B or hip hop artists or the music groups, and then realized halfway through that he had too many. And so he needed to separate them by groups, individuals, and genre. That would be my guess. That seems like a mid-list realization based on your tastes and where they're skewing. My favorite list is the last one, which is 60 people who have helped me in business and basketball. So good. What's the biggest surprise? I, I don't know because I, I really honestly don't recognize a huge number of the people on this list because I assume they have something to do with a lot of sports. basketball. Yeah. I guess I'm wondering at what point 
he decided to merge business and basketball? Or did he start with basketball and add business? Or did he, or are they just one for him at this point? I think for him, they're one because so much of his business comes out of his basketball career. Yeah. But I just want to, I want to say the biggest flex is back to back 41 and 42, Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. Yes. I mean, incredible. These are not alphabetized. No, it's not. This is like, this seems pretty random. Or maybe this is an order because Dr. Jerry Buss is number one. Um, the other one that I'm just like, okay, let's like, let's dig into this is number 52. Marty Singer, the lawyer. Okay. I mean, I, lawyers, yeah, I guess. He's an help. LA guy. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> but this it is a really good list. The whole thing is just hilarious. I, if you're not following my, Magic Johnson, you're missing out, first of all, on yacht content, but just in general, great content. Yeah, I Googled this. So the Aqu- uh, Aquila, Aquila, what are you thinking? Uh-huh. Aquila? How uh-huh. are we pronouncing it? So that's the yacht, and it is a charterable, a charterable yacht, uh, I believe. I'm looking at it. Oh, wow. It, it's. I looked on a website where apparently you can charter yachts, but the yacht is not found, and there are 404 pages. Sorry, the ship is sailed. That's pretty good. Oh my god, that's. I remember good. reading it was like insanely expensive, yeah. like hundred thousand dollars per night. Like okay, it's completely, completely ridiculous. And then the people he's had on his yacht are just fantastic. I mean, he travels with Holly Robinson, Holly Robinson, and Rodney Pete every summer. But then like LL Cool J's been there. Jimmy Kimmel and Molly McNerney showed up a couple days ago. I mean, it's just it's great stuff. And it's not like check out all the cool people on my yacht at like like he's Barry Diller or David Geffen. He's just Matt Johnson doing his thing, living right. his life. Right. I love in, it. In Portofino. Oh, my God. Yes. I just got to a point where he Google mapped the power walk that he did in Portofino with his friend. Oh, Dennis. my God. Wasn't that great? Yeah. His friend's not even famous. 10.9 miles. Yeah. He's just like, look what I did today. And then he, he took pictures of people wearing uh, Lakers shirts. He's oh, having yeah. a great vacation. This is great. I love it. Great, great <laughs> celebrity yacht content with a bonus list ranking. Yeah, we, lo- we love list ranking okay. too at The Ringer. Let's talk about okay. some real estate. Sure. Love to, always. So on the cover of Domino, which is a magazine that I thought was no longer in publication. Me too. I thought it folded. Apparently we were wrong because it is both online and it has a magazine. Lena Dunham is on the cover. She's back. And She's back, she, baby. She, her apartment was photographed. And then she also wrote an essay about her journey to this apartment. And I got to say, loved it. I really did. The, the essay or the photos or both? Uh, I would say both, to be honest. I think I can't say that every part of the essay made me feel comfortable, but there were certain <laughs> aspects of it that I thought were pretty incisive. And she talks about trying to create a home with Jack Antonoff. And the essay includes one of the best uh, burnt, like, digs at an X in public that I've seen in some time. May I read it to you? I already, I already texted it to you, but I'm just going to read it to everyone. He wanted, she's talking about all of the, you know, exciting, colorful things that she wanted in their home. And he didn't like that. That wasn't his taste. His taste was he wanted a restoration hardware couch and a giant watch to hang on the wall. That's such a burn. The giant watch. Restoration hardware is lovely, and they make very comfortable couches, but there's something about the giant watch to hang on the wall that goes with it that is, I don't even totally know what that means, but 
it's really, really specific. And uh, I think it's a dig at poor pop art. That's my take on okay. it. Okay. All right. I thought it was a dig at like ugly thrift store type clocks. Oh, interesting. I was imagining more of like an Andy Warhol ripoff, not even a good one. You know what I mean? Like someone who's like so inspired by the pop art of the 60s, but it's just really lame. Right. I thought it could also actually mean like those kind of those clocks that are that look like giant old timey stopwatches that you can find at Restoration Hardware. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So that you're just kind of buying a whole old timey set and putting it in your home, which is not Lena Dunham's vibe, if anything else. It, it, so, th- that to me is an example of what she still can do very well. Uh, just very specific detail observations that are quite rude, but quite accurate. She's a great, I mean, she's a great writer. She yes. really is. I just felt like my problem with the spread is I feel like I didn't get enough of her home. Like you, it's a lot of really stylized portraits of her and then some like really small sections of her home where you get to see things. But it just felt like a, this whole thing felt like a little too curated to me. Like the photo of her lying on her bed, mm-hmm. seeing the books. First of all, I'm extremely anti the color coding book trend. And this is clearly color coded to like be blues and oranges, which is fine. Very pleasant. I, I like, in fact, if you could see my phone background right now, the photo is a sunset that's blue and orange. And I really like everything that they're doing here, but it, just, it doesn't really feel like a glimpse into her home. And I'm also really confused by the most visible book being You're Not That Great by Elon Gale, who was very famously dismissed from The Bachelor and is like a Bachelor producer for many years. I think that's so weird. There are a lot of uh, intense books on display here. We should say it's it's rainbow-coated around her as opposed to on yes. the bookshelf. Yes, I think my right. main problem is when they're coded on the bookshelf. Though I will say, Juliet, I was recently, for my birthday, I, my husband gave me a bookshelf, which was very nice of him. Um, because Lovely. I, yeah, to organize, I, I collect this, whatever. I collect Agatha Christie novels, like old editions of Agatha Christie novels. And I went to organize- That's a great collection. It's a, Thank you. And I went to put them in my new bookshelf that he'd gotten for this purpose. And I was originally going to organize them by year, by chronology. And then I started doing that, but I have different types of editions, and some are kind of like the small 70s airport style, and some are more recent, and some are hardcover, and some are, you know, and a lot are paperback. And it looked really messy chronologically. And so then I organized by edition, and it looks much better on the bookshelf. So I made a decision to organize my books based on aesthetics. So I don't think that I can judge. Okay, but— that's different. Okay, that's like well, taking that's like taking a small collection. I don't know. I just hate the color coding. You can't find anything. I agree with you. I, I understand. I just understand why people do it now because there is something aesthetic. It can look uh, a little bit cleaner. But maybe it, the color coding looks too clean and like you're trying really hard. Which we're I think all, it indicates— We're all trying all the time, but— I think it makes it seem like you don't actually read. That's why I don't like it. Okay. I think that's valid. Anyway, the book selection here is really something. And I just feel like we didn't get... I liked her essay more than I liked this photo spread. Like, I was just like... I missed Architectural Digest. It would have shown me much more. Yeah, it's very Instagram-y and actual design. And uh, I'm sorry, the the photos themselves and how it's laid out. That It's all kind of this square. Like, there's a picture of the... 
a table in the living room with a poster. You know, it's all artfully arranged and it's kind of small corners of the apartment instead of the full expanse, which is maybe because it's honestly not a, a giant apartment. But I agree, it's really composed and yeah. you can tell that it's composed. I think it looks pretty nice. She has a lot of nice things that yeah, I enjoy. Does. She uses color. I prefer this kind of color to a giant clock on the wall. I guess I, we should note that her Vogue cover is framed and over her over a bed. I don't know whether that's her actual bed. Maybe I don't think it is. Maybe it's, a, it's, a, day, it's a day bed. Okay, that's better. If it was over her actual bed, I would have some concerns. I think it's the guest room. As okay. far as, as if that's my guess. Okay. I've always wanted a day bed though myself. I, Not anymore. I got to be honest. We had one on on vacation in Hawaii, and it was great. I spent all of my time there. Yeah, it's like great for lounging. Yeah, it really is, and for reading. And also, in where she has the Vogue cover, she also has like um, the cover of her memoir, "Not That Kind of Girl," with the New York Times bestseller list. So it's kind of like her accomplishment wall. So I'll give it to her. Okay, I don't I, mind it. I sh- she's got she's got like if not great taste, extremely interesting and unique taste, and I think that's cool. I I like I very very viscerally miss girls these days, and so I like feel like very kind towards Lena Dunham. I think she's been through a lot at this point. I agree. And I, I appreciated the honesty of this essay. And I, she talks about real estate and looking for apartments in ways that I recognize, even if I can't totally relate to them because I've never moved that many times or had been able to buy a place to then have a real estate disaster, as she describes. But, you know, that's okay. It was interesting. I, I would say I recommend reading the essay, which is, I, I think, all you can hope for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff. Okay. Okay. Next. Yes. I want to hear about the, the best book you've read so far this summer. Oh my gosh. What a question. I th- can I can I answer a couple? Sure. Okay. Well, so one is a book that you recommended to me. You and Chris Ryan both recommended What a Carve Up by Jonathan Coe, who is an author you both love. Yes, we do. This was my first Jonathan Coe experience. And it is a satire set in the, I guess it's very early 90s, right? Yes. In the UK. And it's a send-up of a Murdoch-like family and their kind of media political empire and how they have basically ruined uh, the United Kingdom in various ways. But again, it's a satire, so it's funny. And there's also a, a murder mystery element to it. It's a great companion to Succession. Yes. I was about to say, it is definitely timely and it definitely has Succession elements. And it's just, I mean, he's a fantastic writer and uses so many like textual elements and the the humor is very much my style. It was one of those things where I was like, wow, I can't believe that this book exists because it has so many of my specific interests that I thought no one else cared about. Like it really does end like an Agatha Christie mystery. I don't think that's spoiling anything to say it. No. Um, so I really loved that. And then I also read the new the new Kate Atkinson, who I just she she's become a machine. She's a machine. And this book is kind of it's a minor Kate Atkinson. It's the latest in her Jackson Brody series, which is her quote detective novels. And I mean, Jackson Brody is a detective and there is a, a crime that is solved in each of these, but so much of it is commentary in her almost satirizing, but not really in a way, the genre. But she is just, it was so interesting to watch her work in the kind of, not not tossed off, but the minor mode. And she's so good and every sentence is so good. And the way she sees the world is like 
really depressing and kind of sometimes uncomfortable to be around, but also uh, sometimes like I see the world. I, I just remain so impressed with her as a writer. It's amazing that what she can do when she's not even trying that hard, which is kind of right. what this felt like, but not in a bad way, in a very pleasant vacation way, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What's the best book that you read this summer? Probably Severance by Ling Ma. It was really good. Have you read that? I haven't. Should I? Here's the thing. I really liked it. Okay. But I also and, and then I, I also really like Fleischman is in Trouble, like by Taffy Ackner Brodesser. Is that how you say her name? Mm, I think it's Brodus or Ackner, but well, Fleischman yeah. is in trouble. I loved it. Read it in three days. I really love both those books. They're both so depressing about like contemporary life. So as a result, like Severance is about a plague hitting the world and about oh, this boy. woman who um how how she ends up leaving New York once the plague has taken hold and kind of like the the quote unquote journey she goes on. But it's not cheesy at all. It's really well done. It's really beautiful. The end is so poignant. I I really loved it. And I love Fleischman's in Trouble. Like it, I love contemporary literary fiction of a very specific kind, which is like very uh, sharp and incisive, but like ultimately kind of low stakes. And that's what this book was. I, I really, I loved it though. But these books are so goddamn depressing that I've retreated and I'm only reading historical fiction for the next like six weeks. So I bought... <laughs> I bought three books that are all ridiculous. One's called Vexations and it's about, it's a historical novel about the musician Frederick Satie and like the like things he left behind in his social milieu in Paris. I read one about a couple after World War One and dealing with like the aftershocks of the Battle of Verdun. Mm-hmm. And then right now I'm reading like one of the like worst books I've read in a really long time and I'm loving it. And it's a historical novel about, um, Grace Kelly's wedding in Monaco. And, uh, it's just, I, I just like can't deal with these downer books. And I don't know. I have, I have so many things that I want to respond to and why you just said the first, but I'll keep it to two distinct items that I want to discuss. Number okay. one, speaking of Princess Grace and Monaco, I've been thinking a lot about how I don't know enough about the not British royal families and there's not oh, enough yeah. material for me to consume about the, for example, the Monaco royals. Another birthday gift I got was a um, back issues of Tatler, the British social magazine. Oh, from amazing. When, from when Tina Brown edited it. And one of them has Charlotte, Princess Charlotte, daughter of Princess Grace on the cover. And so I read a little oh. bit about her and I was like, I have a lot more questions but I would like the the real version. You know, I would like, a, I guess, a, a Tina Brown-style biography of these people. I also feel this way about the Spanish royals, who I have so many questions about. And I really don't understand. They're how, really out there. I don't understand how they fit into Spanish political life, which is probably a geopolitical ignorance on my part. Which So if there's anyone listening who has can recommend some informed reading on this, please send it my way. I am not... I can't read in Spanish, unfortunately, which is like one of the major barriers here because I think there is a lot written in this, the Spanish language, but I haven't been able to find anything super insightful about it, but I would really love to. So if you know of anything you're listening, please let me know. This is also a good segue into the second thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is the the fun book that I read after reading kind of serious stuff. Have I told you about my like semi-real Spanish spy series? That's like, no, it's like somewhat fiction, but actually real life. Okay, great. All right, here we go. There are three books. They're all written by Aline Griffith, the Countess of Romanones. Oh my God. So most of this, I believe, is true, or at least partially true. 
she started out as a spy for the U.S. during World War II. She was like 20 years old and is sent from the U.S. to Spain basically to infiltrate high Spanish society and figure out who the Nazis are in high Spanish society. Oh, wow. So the first book is called The Spy War Red and is a autobiographical account. But basically, she's writing a spy novel about her time working in Spain in World War II. It's re- wow. and, it, and it's just written like a straightforward spy novel. It's not particularly literary, but it's really easy to read. So, the, okay. you know, war, war ends. But at the end of that, I'm sorry, I don't want to spoil it, but she ends up staying in Spain and marrying a Spanish count. And then she becomes a Spanish countess. And so from then on, she writes two more books that are about she keeps working. The CIA is founded and she keeps working with the CIA after World War II. And so the second book is about... Uh, her life as a Spanish countess, but also a mission that she does with the Duchess of Windsor, a.k.a. Wallace Simpson in the 60s. Oh, man. And then the the third one that I read over vacation is about uh, attempting to stop a coup in Morocco. I got to be honest, this one was a little fascist for my for my taste. It happens in 1970, and there are just a lot of geopolitical elements that aren't really being examined in the way that you would expect in 2019. But... It was still pretty interesting, and I really feel that someone needs to turn these into a TV movie or t- into well, a TV Nina. series. I, I know, but it's it's a lot. I've, I have to learn about Spanish politics first before I write this story. That's what I'm saying. So um, about a year or two years ago, I read a joint biography of George Orwell and Woodrow, sorry, George Orwell and Winston Churchill. It was fantastic. And in it, it talks a lot about how Orwell was sort of like in his own way radicalized by the Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm. And I it's like pretty interesting because like the way so Spain as we know it has been around for such a short time, yes. like basically since since Churchill. And so the history is like really fascinating. And I think like we often forget about that. That and book I, was by Thomas Ricks. I really it was called Orwell and Churchill. I really recommend it. I okay, I'm gonna read that because I really realized how much I didn't know about modern Spain and also the Spanish Civil War while reading this book. And I was definitely like Googling the Spanish Civil War on the beach on vacation. And I'm not sure I got the most nuanced version. So any other recommended reading, please let me know. I really recommend The Spy War Red and the two sequels, which are The Spy Went Dancing and The Spy War Silk, because she's committed to a theme. Um, oh, my God. Sounds great. Um, last thing I wanted to mention to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we can keep going, but it's on my list. Yes. My favorite moment of the summer that didn't involve me getting to meet Tyler from The Bachelorette sure. is... Was uh, the picture of Bradley Cooper, Gail King, Oprah Winfrey, and Katy Perry walking down the street together on a small island in the Mediterranean Sea in Italy with Bradley Cooper with the zinc all over his nose and everyone just like walking along wearing their Adidas? I just died. It was like a showstopper. I was so overwhelmed with happiness when I saw it. Justin Cherry and I talked about it when it happened because it was possibly the most jam session thing that has happened in 2019. Ever. Like ever. It's interesting. I mean, I agree with you that the image of Bradley Cooper with the zinc halfway applied on his face is what stays with me. But I think part of its power is that in the photo set that I saw, at least, it comes about 30 pictures in after like 29 pictures of Katy Perry trying to board a dinghy and no one helping her. Incredible. Not including her husband, Orlando Bloom. Right. Who goes swimming while she's getting on the thing, which I I honestly really relate to. But so after these 29 pictures of Katy Perry unsuccessfully, or I guess ultimately successfully, but with some struggle, boarding a dinghy. 
comes the kicker of Bradley Cooper with this sunscreen. And it's, you're just really not expecting it. And it's tremendous. It was just so great. I just loved it. And I loved like the picture of them all walking because I was like, are they walking in formation? Like, is this like a known foursome that goes out into the streets together to like explore when they're off the boat? I just, I loved it so much. And I just love Barry Diller coming for David Geffen's crown. Yeah. The Rising Sun Instagram started and then here comes Barry Diller. It's also interesting that Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom went from Rising Sun to Barry Diller's yacht, which I believe is Eos. Eos, yeah. Yeah. Yacht hopping with the and Google Camp being the the fulcrum in this situation yes. as well, which you Incredible. know the fallout from that continues. People are still really mad at Prince Harry and Meghan Markle for taking private jets, which you know we got to calm down. I, know. I can't with the royal family right now. Um, okay. Speaking of uh, the David Geffen yacht, yes. One thing that also I read on page six last week: the first like real morsel explaining the fight between Katy Perry and Carly Kloss is that Carly Kloss, their first like falling out was when Carly Kloss invited people over to Taylor Swift's apartment without approval. Wait, so the falling out between Carly Taylor and, and Taylor. Carly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. was because Carly invited people over to Taylor's place without asking Taylor first. Was Taylor there? Yeah. But oh. it's just like she didn't, she didn't ask. Oh. And then I think Carly ending kind of like working with Scooter Braun was another really rough on this was all this is also around the time of your vacation i forgot oh, to mention okay. it to you okay. i also read about in page six but it, i don't know it, it was great <laughs> i was I, like thank you for this insight i think i too would be mad if someone invited people to my house without letting me know and i yeah. am not under scrutiny all the time as taylor swift is yeah this okay. is what the new york post said all right um Swift had previously said that Klaus had her very own room, complete with her favorite snack foods at the ready at the singer's $47.7 million Tribeca compound. But an insider told the Post that Swift was, quote, furious, close quote, when Klaus invited friends over to the home without first getting approval. Although both camps denied this happened, a source admits that the two had a tiff that turned into something crazy. So I just love it. Great. Well, I, We're getting I, some info. I know what I said, but then on the other side, if you are basically, if you have a room, then... If you give someone a room and you have their own snack foods on hand, then you are basically, you're not establishing residency, but you're giving them some leeway. So I can understand, I can understand how Carly got upset and they started fighting. I don't know yeah. whose side I'm on ultimately. I know. I, okay. I've decided I'm back on Team Taylor in general. I like love her a lot. On vacation, uh, I did not look at the internet, but I did listen to Red in 1989 back to back for comparison while driving around. And it was really illuminating. My thoughts were that Red, which is this extremely significant, like personally significant album to me, has not really held up as an album particularly well. It has like real highs and real lows, but also that All Too Well is possibly the greatest songwriting achievement really of our good. lifetime. All Too Well is amazing. And I have said that in public like 8,000 times. That's nothing new for me, but I, I was really moved by it again. And then I was pleasantly surprised by 1989. 1989 is great. I was not as warm on it when it came out. I think because uh, I was kind of tired of the Antonov stuff. And it, I mean, it really is a co, it's a collaboration with Antonov. And, yeah. But it, it's a lot more cohesive as a result. It's very good. Um, I agree. I love it. Yeah. 
then I listened to the new song or one of them on the radio, and it's really bad. And I'm just not interested in it until she starts making good music again. That's where I am. Which one? You need to calm down. No, the other one. What's it called? Me? Me, yeah. Yikes. Me's not good, but I think you need to calm down. And I really like Lover. I think it's great. The Archer, I haven't listened to that much. Eh, I don't really care for it. Okay. All right, fair enough. Okay. Um, Any other pressing matters? Mm, I think that's all the major things that we needed to discuss, at least for this week. Yeah, we'll be back next week. That's fantastic. Juliet, welcome back. We're so thrilled that you're back. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. 